Welcome back to the most bizarre show on the internet. As usual, we're the Bizarre Crew. I'm Shane. I'm Oren. And I'm Jenny. So Shane, um, I just want to start out the show today with a huge thank you and a shout out to our buddy Kevin from Where the Weird Ones Are. Uh, We got to meet him at Encounter Quest a couple weeks ago. And he hooked us up with an awesome new microphone for the show. So, uh, you know, we've kind of been pimping that out in the intros here recently. And he hooked us up. Uh, And he also gave us a couple T-shirts. So uh, for all of our listeners out there, please check out his podcast. Super nice guy. Uh, And he's uh, putting out some good content. Again, that's uh, where the weird ones are. Yay, (laughs) Kev! And so... um, Shane, I think you've also got some good news you want to share with us, right? So, we have a couple five-star reviews, and I haven't actually taken the time to fully sit here and read them on the show. So, I'd like to sit here and uh, give some people a shout-out for giving us some awesome five-star reviews. So, starting back at the beginning, uh, Brian says, Nailed it. Good, smooth conversation. Great first episode. Keep up the great work. The second one is from Shane the Thinker, and he says, Phenomenal podcast. Shane and his co-host do a great job with deep dives into everything paranormal and cryptid. A definite treat for anybody remotely interested in the subject matter. These mavericks do so much with the analysis chisel as well as a creative brushstroke. Check out the episode with Aussie Grub to set the mood for the Halloween season with a perspective down under. Highly recommend. Uh, The next one comes from author Craig. Uh, Loved spending time with you guys talking about far out stuff. Thanks again for being open-minded. The truth is stranger than anyone can possibly imagine. It's time to open the door and see a different world. And then getting to a little bit more recent ones here, um, because these ones are starting back at the beginning of the show because I haven't actually taken the time to sit here and give all the shout-outs. So these ones are a little bit outdated, so I apologize in advance. But the next two are a little bit more closer to now. So uh, Shane, Orn, and Jenny bring an unmatched humor to topics that are otherwise typically dark or creepy. If you want a podcast that can be serious, funny, and educational all at the same time, this is the podcast for you guys, and these people are legit. Also, if you have experiences that you want to talk about, these guys are the guys to go to. And then the newest review is from Brandy, and she says, In my top five, great show. This one now lives in my top five favorite podcasts. And that one was from... A week or two ago so that one's a really fresh one so thanks again for all of you awesome people that have left us some awesome reviews and uh that also being said 
if anybody else wants to leave some reviews for us, of course, you know, we're going to be a little bit better with it and uh, sit here and hopefully as one comes in each time, we're going to start kind of giving you guys a little bit of a shout out. So if you guys don't mind taking an extra five seconds real quick right now to do a five-star review, if you're on Spotify or if you're on iTunes, you want to type out something nice, uh, we'll give you guys a shout out, of course. And, uh, you know, if you guys also in the process of that really enjoy a particular episode, you know that there's a friend that might be interested in that, uh, you know, just pass it over to the friend. That's another awesome way to help the show grow. And the only way it's going to happen is with you guys. And if any of our listeners want to contribute to the show in any way, whether that be uh, suggesting a topic or a guest, or if there's any researchers or artists that want to contribute to the show in any way, please reach out to us through social media or email, and that's bizarreencounters at outlook.com. And in the process of that, if you guys are already following us on social media, uh, please take the time to give us a like, a follow, whatever form of social media you guys happen to be on and uh pop over to the telegram of the discord if you guys want to have some awesome conversations with some awesome people see some uh new stuff that i've been dropping in there uh, i've been dropping pieces of certain notes and different shows that we did so there's always some fun facts and some new interesting stuff to look into over on that way uh, if you guys want to support the show there's a couple different ways to do so uh, number one, of course, is to go and get yourself some Bizarre Encounters or Bite Size Bizarreties merch. Uh, you can do that over on the Open Minds Media merch store. Um, if you guys get anything, it'd be really cool if you guys wouldn't mind sending us pictures of you guys wearing it because we'd love to give you guys a shout out on the page and uh, let everybody know that there's love and support out there in the world for as far as this show goes. And uh, if you guys want to get early access to the show, uh, you guys want to get live access to the show, and if you're not able to make it to the lives, you want to get live replays of the show, uh, you guys can go over and check out the Patreon. It's uh, the Open Minds Media Patreon because it isn't just Bizarre Encounters. It also includes Inquiries of Our Reality. Um, so if you guys are interested in all of that stuff, definitely go and check out the Patreon. There's multiple tiers. Uh, figure out which one seems to suit you the best. Of course, they all have different benefits. Uh, some of those things include uh, different merch store discounts. So if you guys want to get yourself some awesome stuff from the merch store, I highly recommend popping over to the Patreon first and becoming a member and getting yourself a discount code. And then the third way to support the show is through donating on uh, Red Circle, which is our RSS host for the show. So if you guys are interested in doing that, uh, go all the way down to the show description, and uh, there should be something on there along the lines of uh, donate through Red Circle. And uh, I don't know if you can leave a name with that, but if you guys are able to leave a name with that, it'd be really cool. We'll, guy we'll give you guys a shout out on the show. Uh, if it doesn't give you that option, send us a message and let us know that you did. And of course, we will uh, give you a shout out on the show. And uh, if you guys want to support another local creator, I'm not going to go through the whole spiel. You guys know Joe over at Crypto Theology has some awesome merchandise um, pertaining to all of these fun topics. So if you haven't already, go and check it out. There's always something cool and new to check out over there. And uh, Jenny, why don't you let him know? Okay. And all these links that have been mentioned are listed in the show description in the show notes. Or maybe that was redundant. Find the link tree in the show notes. <laughs> Tonight's guests are Rick and Hans from I Know Squatch. They're members of BFRO, and they're doing some really interesting research. Um, I Know Squatch also makes some really cool merchandise, and they actually have a trademark for the phrase whoop. Me and Jenny got oh. to spend some time and hang out with Rick and his wife, April, this past weekend at, an at Encounter Quest, and we're so excited to welcome them to the show. Uh, so thank you guys, Rick and Hans, so much for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having us. So uh, for anybody that isn't familiar with you guys, uh, why don't you kind of let them know how you guys got started and uh, how you guys got to the point you're at now as far as your research <laughs> and as far as I know Squatch. Rick? All right, I'll start. I'll start and you can jump in. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so Hans and I met uh, in the UP of Michigan on a BFRO expedition back in 2014, 13? 2013. 2013. 2013. So that's how we met. And uh, we've had some, you know, pretty darn good encounters, use your word. Um, while we were squatching and we've been on a few expeditions together and we got to the point where we said, you know, we know this thing exists because they were, you know, real encounters. And so there's a difference in knowing versus believing and we're knowers. And so I know Squatch was born out of that ideology, out of that thought process. And, um, you know, thanks to Hans's creative genius, we, you know, we've been able to, uh, come forward with a lot of uh, unique and we think original artwork that Mm -hmm. represents and depicts the Bigfoot phenomena and is really the way people encounter it. So um, they'll talk a little bit about that, but you know, we hunters see it, people see it. We try to bring that forward. So it's more than just a two dimensional blackout representation of Bigfoot standing size sideways with the mundane. I believe under it, you know, we are dedicated to being more creative than that. And I think we've done a pretty good job. Go ahead, Hans. Um, I was going to say when we started in two thir- in uh, two thousand thirteen, we had uh, th- we, that's when we met. We had, you know, we didn't, you know, meet each other and have the idea of hey, we're gonna we're gonna start this uh, brand, and you know, it it all came about after an experience, a shared experience, and we came back to the campfire and we were sitting around late at night, you know, reminiscing of what just happened to us. And I think Rick had said, you know, and at that time there was, everything was, I believe. And, you know, a takeoff of the, I want to believe, you know, the, the X-Files kind of thing. Right. And we were talking about it and it's just like, I think Rick was like, you know, I just don't, you know, I don't believe man. I know. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. And then he was like, you know, I know Squatch, which is, you know, kind of a takeoff of you don't know Squat. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, I know Squatch. And it was catchy. And, you know, that was in 13. And we didn't actually start doing anything with it until 2014. So, like, next year will be our, you know, 10th anniversary. Yeah. That's awesome, guys. 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a long, you know, it seems like a long time. And at that time, all you saw in, in the industry, you know, in the community or whatever was, I believe, with the silo of Bigfoot walking. And I know everyone has seen that. And that's really all that was out there. You know, you couldn't at that time in the marketplace, you probably couldn't find a Bigfoot t-shirt. If you did a search on Amazon or whatever, you probably wouldn't come up with one. Now you do that search and you come up with 10 million different options. (laughs) You know, a lot of them still using that clip art. Uh, Right. And what, you know, we try to have original designs and we, we try to, you know, get something that someone hasn't seen before is enough interest that they would you know, be willing to part with their money. Well, you took uh, some of ours this past weekend. So we think you guys are doing a great job. I mean, uh, we got nice. some stickers and some koozies. Uh, actually, um, 
before I realized that you guys were going to be adding CounterQuest, we were doing some research for the episode, and I was looking through your Instagram, and I was like, oh, that's those guys that we met at Southwest Virginia Bigfoot. And I, I've got one of your stickers on my <laughs> Yeti. I've got the you know the Rolling Stones logo with uh, oh, nice. Sasquatch peeking out. So, no, uh, nice. y'all's merch is second to none. It's some of the most clever unique uh cryptid bigfoot merch that i've seen out there so i mean as far as i'm concerned you guys are killing it oh thanks thanks for the compliment that's nice yeah well thanks for that and i you know as i was saying earlier i mean we had a before we got on this hans and i were on the phone for a while talking about some ideas we kind of test marketed but we care about this i mean we've got uh, i think five trademarks on this we've invested in and you know we want to elevate this so it isn't just uh you know goofy I believe some people do some dumb things with the Bigfoot thing and turn it into a, you know, a caricature or just the clip art, as Han said, and then stupid, stupid sayings, you know, uh, you know, we're beyond that. We really want this thing to, you know, look like people experience it. You know, we're both active with the BFRO. You know, I talk to witnesses all the time. I was, uh, I spent today, the better part of today, four hours out in the woods with a witness who's got these things on his property and he was telling me how he sees them. And some of them are viewing his property uh, up up in a perch and some trees in the woods behind his house looking at him. You know, <laughs> that's an interesting concept. But, you know, we want to depict it the way people experience this. Hunters see these things peeking around trees all the time while they're out deer hunting. And, you know, that's how we came up with the peeper, the one that's peeking around the tree. Um, so, you know, we're, we're dedicated to doing something different in this marketing space, have some fun with it. And, you know, we put our money where our mouth is. We do research, we go on expeditions, we talk to witnesses, and that's a good foundation. Well, and I think that passion really comes through in your merch. I mean, like you said, there's so much Bigfoot stuff out there that's kind of jokey and almost making fun of the stuff they're selling. And, like, y'all stuff is it's serious. You know, it's it's serious stuff for serious cryptid enthusiasts. And and I love it. So, I mean, cool. cannot say nice. enough good things. We can maybe use that as a tagline, Rick. <laughs> I like that. Did Feel you, free. Did you write that one down, huh? So you probably remember that. Serious stuff for serious cryptid researchers. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, we'll use that. You know, I mean, uh, and, and we are. I mean, we do care about this thing, too. I and mean, we're having some fun with it. Don't get me wrong. You know, we're creative and having some fun with it all the time, Absolutely. too. But we're open-minded about it, too, when it comes to our approach on research and you know, you guys have bizarre encounters. You know, I've listened to some of your podcasts. You talk about some crazy stuff. and But who knows? You know, people have encounters, and we should listen to it, not be dogmatic about, you know, there, and there are different camps in Bigfoot research. And I'm sure it's the same with ghost research or UFO. You know, the, you know, you can't talk about this, and you can't talk about that. You know, a lot of that stuff goes on. And I think, you know, Hans and I are pretty open-minded to it. You know, I spent a lot of time at the – at these shows, listening, you know, to the speakers, talking to people, people come up to me routinely and want to share encounters with me that they've had, you know, and, you know, you, I listen a lot and some pretty weird stuff happens out there. You know, who am I to say, wow, that didn't happen to you. That I couldn't be, you know, uh, people are very, you know, it makes a visual imprint on them. Some of the, when they encounter this phenomena and crazy stuff happens, you know, stuff be, you'd call paranormal. And so, it is. It's all evidence. Say, so coming back around to that, too, you guys were saying that you had your I know moment when you guys had a shared experience. Uh, just for the record, like, I'd love to hear about that experience, too. 
All right, who's going to start? <laughs> Rick, you can start. And when you start getting off track, I'll, uh, I'll correct you. Hey, I'm looking at your hat there, Hans, that whoop hat that you got on that blue one. I don't have one of those. I got to get one of those. I wonder where I could get that. We have a trademark on whoop. I like that's a good one. I like that. I, Thank I you. Got, it's my, uh, it's, it's new. It's nice. uh, blue, blue on blue. I call it, I call it the Ranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very good. I'll have to get one of those. I wonder where I can get it. Or maybe our Etsy store. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, we don't, you know, this story actually could go on a long time. And I, I think it's yeah. better we, we keep moving because I want to hear a little bit about, I've listened to some of your podcasts too, at Bizarre Encounters. I want to talk about some of your legends and lore and various cryptids and stuff that's happened when we're out there too. But uh, Hans and I were on a, as we said, one of, well, we've had a few, but one of the bigger ones that happened up in Michigan and, you know, Shane, you and I were talking before we got on the air a little bit about what's, where's active. UP of Michigan is very active with Bigfoot stuff. And there's a lot of encounters up there. Some of the counties in central UP, Schoolcraft and around there. I mean, there is a lot of activity and, um, Maybe because there's snowmobile trails all over up there and they can use those things like a highway, but I think they travel all over the UP. And, and so Hans and I were on one up there years ago and we wound up in um, a wildlife refuge. Um, and again, I can't give away because NDA, I can't give away the exact location. And we wound up in there with, I think we started with nine, wound up with five of us at the end of the night, but we had some incredible encounters with these things where, um, you know, we had adults standing behind the juveniles. We could see the eye shine. We, we recorded the whole thing and had 23 incidents of eye shine that we saw. We saw them peeking out of the woods, leaning over the road. One of them traversed the road, went across, and it was witnessed. We were trying to count shadows around us, and we got up to like 13 or 14 of them. They were all around in the woods around us. We recorded them speaking uh, back the next day with investigators and found footprints, found where they were on, in the grass on the banks on the side of a bridge and they were shouting and ca- calling out to us. I mean, it was overwhelming. It was almost like a religious experience. You know, this wasn't like we saw a shadow run by in the dark. I mean, we, we had these things all around us and they were interactive with us too. And, you know, a lot of it. I mean, that's why Hans is saying we're sitting around the fire. I mean, we're scratching our head before in the morning. What the heck did we just witness? <laughs> you know, there were so many. So, you know, for all the folks out there to listen to this, you know, dispel the rumor that there's a Bigfoot. It's one hairy thing walking around Northern California. They're social. They're always in groups. Think like tribes or family units. And, you know, Hans, jump in. But we were counting at one point and we were like, there's got to be 13 or 14 of them around here. There were so many of them. So, yeah, well, what what happened was uh, so to give you a visual that we were on a uh, like a dike wall bridge with water on both sides and we were observing uh, you know probably 50 yards away was a tree line and we could see the pinpoints of light which was eye shine and we could see some lower and then some higher and this went on and on and on and it was late so and it's dark it was overcast so it's it's real hard to see um, and what we think was that the juveniles, uh, were closer and they were curious and the, the adults, uh, hung in the back and they said, yeah, you know, you guys can creep up, 
you know, get as close, but don't get caught or whatever. And we were almost entertainment for them. Um, so, so we have this experience. And at that time, it was just visual. Uh, a couple of the guys saw one cross the road, like on all fours, you know, that you hear like the, the spider monkey crawl. They saw that you know, at the same time, they both saw it. So you're not just, your eyes aren't just playing tricks on you. Right. Um, and it was when, it was when we went to leave, uh, we said as a group, because there, there was six of us, uh, let's walk back off of the bridge 50, you know, 50 feet and stop as a group. So we did. We walked back and stopped and you know, just well, what's going to happen. So we, so we stopped and we hung out for just a second. And uh, out of the blue, Matt, who was one of the guys with us, yelled out, thank you and have a good night. Like that kind of singing, but and loud. And on, you, you could tell that there was two things vocalizing back because they're on opposite sides of the road and they were t calling over the top of each other. And the way we described it is it almost, it sounded like a language and it sounded native, you know, sounded native American and at higher and lower pitches um, over the top of each other. And um, one of the guys that was with us was a, he, he's like, you know, Mr. Outdoorsman, he's a older gentleman and he's uh, a hunter, trapper, you know, fisherman. And he heard that and he, he had the biggest grin on his face <laughs> and he was like, this is unbelievable. You know? So we had that and then, okay. Then they stop and we say, okay, let's do the same thing. Walk back, you know, another 50 feet and so we do the same thing and they went off again and this the whole time that we had that experience there was a feeling of yeah this is this is exciting and it, it's not it, there was no threat there was no uh, scared like a lot of people having an, uh, an experience and they're really scared this was like, it was more, it was mind blowing, like, wow, you know? Uh, so, I mean, and then, then after, after the second time they went off and then, then we left the area um, and the, the walk back was fairly long. And then, then we went back to the fire pit and we were just, just giddy about it, you know? Well, the, the things, you know, uh, that were crazy about it, we had visual, like we said, we, you know, we saw them leaning out of the, they were leaning out of the woods and they were actually leaning so far stepping out of the wood line that it was blocking the white gravel road that we were looking up uh, from this bridge. We were looking into the woods and there were so many of these things. Uh, and we saw the eyes above and below. So the above eyes were kind of yellowish and below was red. So we surmised that the shorter, the lower ones were the kids with like a red, red eye shine and the white was the adults above. But we could see them side by side. So four sets of eyes, you know, and this is, this continued on and on. As I said, there were 23, I had a recorder going the whole time, recorded 23 incidents of eye shine, recorded them see, seeing them leaning out of the woods, running across the road. And as Han said, recorded them calling out to us. The sound that they made was uh, three syllables was who, he, wah, like that. 
And we've looked that up and tried to parallel that to Native American language, see if it made some sense. We haven't been able to figure out what it was, but our friend Mike, who was the outdoorsman, was giddy because he said there's no animals in the forest that can make that noise. And they can't pronounce an H. They can't make that. He was shocked. He kept saying that. You know, but we heard this more than once as we backed up a little more trying to go to the other, the backup wood line, getting away from these things. They got closer, but they would not go across the bridge, which is crazy. But they were standing on the, the in the grassy knoll on the other side of both sides of the bridge, calling these words out. So we had all these visuals. And then we had, and I've got that recorded, you know, them calling out, making these sounds. And we're new to this. You got to remember, we're new to this whole Bigfoot thing. You know, we don't, we hadn't really done a lot of this, but and uh, but we were at a place we probably shouldn't have been. But anyway, we got out of the woods and got back talked about it later. And we're like, what the heck did we just see? You know, we went back, found footprints along the edge of the road the next day. Clearly found matted down grass areas where the juveniles were sitting when they were yelling at us and calling out to us. You know, and it was cathartic type experience, as Han says. You know, the visuals stick in your mind. I can still hear them doing that. And it all happened while we're newbies. Right. And uh, we were we were talking about it the next day because uh, this was on a a BFRO expedition. So what they do is they had the next day you have a morning debrief, and we're talking to a group, and the group was a large group. There was close to forty people in the in the group, and uh, we were talking about the feelings that we you know had when this happened. And that we, oh, they didn't project any fear. And what this one guy said, no, no, be careful because you're, you're giving them human emotions. Now I, you know, we were, yeah, new. Right. we were new. I, I didn't know I was doing that. And then I thought, well, I mean, I don't know. It was, uh, it, it was, it was really, it was really something. So, um, <clears throat> you said that, uh, with the human emotion part of it, was that more so like, what was the intention behind that? Cause I haven't actually heard anybody say like, not to like use human emotions. Well, I think he was, he was telling us not to give Sasquatch human emotions. Like, cause I was, I was, you know, we were saying that, uh, they weren't, they weren't making us scared. Um, and he said, be careful, you know, don't give them human emotions. Maybe he was thinking that, okay, this, this is a, a flesh and blood animal. So don't give that animal human emotions. I mean, that, that's what I got out of it. That's kind of mm -hmm. what I was kind of thinking too. And I mean, it's kind of a loaded question, but cause everybody sits on different sides of the fence and everything changes all the time. But uh, like, as far as you guys go, where do you guys kind of sit with them? Do you think that they're more like an animal where you're not supposed to like humanize them like that? Or do you think there's a lot more of an intelligence factor to them where they're more human like, or do you think it's something beyond that? I'll go first. Go ahead. I'll go first. Um, I personally, because I have not experienced, say, like what Rick's stories, because I hear all of Rick's stories and he tells me all what, you know, the, the orbs and all that. I haven't experienced that yet. Um, I would love, would love to. I haven't experienced any of that. What I have experienced with the vocalizations and the being paralleled and chased out of the woods, I in my opinion, I say it is a flesh and blood animal. 
So, yeah. So I'm guessing that Rick feels differently or maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, Jenny, I no, I I think it's a little of both. Um, I think it's it has physical characteristics, but has paranormal abilities. So if that makes any sense, uh, you know, four words or the physical characteristics are there. You cast footprints. You can see a physical being. Um, you know, it makes it impressive. Physically, you can see something. You trust your eyes as five senses go. You trust that first. But there's paranormal abilities to these things. You know, so I, I've been through enough witnesses that have talked about. I just interviewed one last week on the whole mind speak thing. And both he and another were clearly had the same thing at the same time. I've experienced that. I'm not afraid to say it. It's happened to me. You know, where I got a visual impression in my mind of something or heard words in my mind when I was around this phenomenon. I can't explain that, but I have. Um, are they physical? Yeah. Do they have paranormal abilities? Yes. What does that mean? They're beyond human abilities. You know, they always seem to know intent. You know, we talk about zapping. People get zapped around these and feel like I've got to get out of the woods now. You know, i got to run fight or flight. You know, how do they do that? But they do that and, you know, it makes you... It make, when it happens, it ain't pretty. I've been through it a bunch of times. I don't know that humans could do that. The list goes on, but it's all evidence in my mind. So whether you know it's physical evidence like a footprint or an audio recording, or it's a paranormal piece of evidence like, hey, I got zapped or uh, I saw an orb followed me down the trail in the woods, which, by the way, has happened to me. You know, so it's all evidence. I think what I, you know, I, I do a lot of this. Uh, I'm not, I've just, I've learned to stay open-minded, not be dismissive. Weird stuff happens around Bigfoots. Mm-hmm. You know, Warren and Jenny, you guys, you know, I was at Encounter Quest with you this weekend. Who was speaking at it? UFO, you know, UFO experts, Bigfoot experts. You know, did it, did it seem like they were, you know, crashing heads? No, no, no. They were no, talking about, no. no, not at all. They were, they talk, they were talking about, you know, UFO witnesses that have seen Bigfoots at the same time. You know, I've seen orbs around Bigfoots when I've been doing Bigfoot research. You know, who, who is this? I'm not going to dismiss it and say it really happens. It does happen. So, you know, I guess I'm back to the paranormal stuff does happen around physical Bigfoot. Um, you know, am I here to say it's stepping out of another dimension? Or no, I haven't been in another dimension. How could I say that? You know, see, so here's some crazy stuff about this. But, you know, I just I think you got to stay open minded. Well, I think we need to ask Hans about that because he was currently in another dimension when we couldn't get to the side. Um, I, w- I will say I am I am open to it. Um, I just have not not experienced it. Um, Rick does get out more often than I do. Um, and he, one thing he had said to me is like, the, the farther I get, into this and the more I learn about it, the more I'm leaning to the paranormal aspect of Squatch. See one well, thing. Well it gets yeah the more you get into it, the weirder it gets. That's all I'm um, saying. So, I mean, so whether I'm interviewing a witness or having the experience on my own, uh, you know, I could go uh, over weird experience after weird experience. These things are, you know, I was talking the other day, not to, you know, name, name drop, but, you know, Ron, uh, you know, at the encounter course, more I was talking about, they make all the noises they make, you know, I mean, it, humans don't make some of the noises these things make. I've heard everything from babies crying to circular saws in the woods. 
you know, a uh, car door slamming closed. There isn't a car for miles, you know, car, car alarms. I've heard my name called out at me in the woods. Okay. Not more than once. You know, I have been followed up trails by orbs. I have had orbs come out of the woods and circle over a group. I've seen that. I've seen all colors of eye shine. Let me count the ways. I've seen white and cue ball white. I've seen yellow. I've seen amber. I've seen red. I've seen blue. I saw Hans, even though he's never experienced anything. I saw him jump right out of his shorts because a box of light went off in the woods right next to him once. <laughs> and by the way, before you think, before you think that's in Iowa, because you did jump right up against a wood line in Iowa, right into my arms once, because <laughs> you were scared. Something, something was right next to you in the woods, and you didn't see it. You did this a couple of years ago in November when we were out in the snow. There were only five of us on a private. Remember that? And we were out. The a box of lights went off in the woods right next to you, and you jumped right out of your shoes. So I know <laughs> nothing paranormal has ever happened to you, but I'm reminding you of some odd stuff. The, the time in Iowa, that was a rough grouse. <laughs> yes, it, it almost broke both my ankles. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I do remember, though, looking across that field in Iowa and seeing blue light shining down on the trail while these two shadow beings went up, up the trail. And I remember seeing it, and uh, Matt saw it also right then at the same night that you jumped. So... I don't know. Weird stuff happens around this phenomena that can't easily be explained. Let's leave it at that. Well, and I think, you know, as statistically improbable as seeing a Bigfoot is, as statistically improbable as seeing a UFO or an orb is, the fact that these different phenomena are observed as frequently as they are in, you know, similar time frames and similar geographical areas, I mean, that leads me to believe that there's at least something there to unpack. And obviously, you know, I'm not experts like you guys are, but I mean, it just seems to me that it's one of those things. There's enough smoke that there's some sort of fire there. And what does that fire mean? I, I don't know. I mean, I could speculate, but like you guys were saying, I think it's kind of dismissive to think that it's not possible that there's at least something kind of odd below the surface going on. Just to kind Agreed. of, uh, theorize and spe speculate on it a little bit too as far as uh like supernatural or like paranormal uh like abilities go for like sasquatch one thing i often wonder is if it's a matter of just like an evolutionary path that they adapted to what they need in nature so it's not that it's anything paranormal or supernatural <clears throat> it's a normal ability that they have developed through time and just as people we never developed any of these abilities because we strayed the way of technology and we started needing technology rather than actually using our own abil abilities and senses and then connecting with the uh, orbs being connected with sasquatch one thing that i always question is it seems like when it comes to the ufo phenomenon it's almost like how we observe nature where they more so are just trying to see how it functions uh kind of keep tabs on things um see how things are interacting kind of keep track of like bloodlines, uh, genes, all that kind of stuff going down the line. So, of course, you know, if there's other beings on this planet, they're going to be just as interested in them. So they're assumably going to be watching Sasquatch beings the same way that they'd be watching humans. And when it comes to these orbs, um, I've been talking to a lot of people that have uh, been doing a lot of UFO research lately, and uh, they keep starting to think that a lot of these orbs might almost be like, uh, like deployable like trackers where they can like drop it down and like scan an area. So maybe that would be 
why people see him around Bigfoot is because one, of course, there's going to be an interest in this rare species that exists on our planet. And then why people see him also just in the woods for themselves is because it could be that there's some type of like UFO around, or they're trying to keep tabs on that area or map that area. And, you know, you just happen to be in the way of it, kind of just figuring out what's in the area. Yeah. So, um, it's not, I can't disagree with that. I actually know, uh, so Hans, you know, Steve Moon, you know, he's a researcher in, in the Iowa area. I've had some discussions with him about that. I kind of think the orb, at least for Bigfoot, if it's a manifestation of energy they could deploy, it's sort of like a periscope. So they can send it over a hill or a precursor to them physically getting there just to see what's going on. Um, but, you know, I've experienced, I saw... You know, so I went over a canyon in Colorado and two of us turned and looked the other way down a trail and there was a Bigfoot standing in the trail, had a class A visual. You know, I saw one of these things come out of the woods and then circle a group in a quarry in the uh, northern part of Wisconsin. So, I, you know, I, I don't know what this is, you know, when these things come around, but it has it looks like it has intelligence. It's not a random dispersion of energy. It seems to be moving with intelligence. From it. So that could fit Shane into what, you know and aren't what you guys are saying you know um i mean even if they have they telepathic abilities too they could even theoretically maybe um displace their consciousness and almost view things from like a spectator mode where they may still be like within themselves still but they might be able to have part of their like consciousness leave as that orb and just kind of view around what's in the area for them too right you know and i don't so not to get weird and everything but uh you know i've done um a lot of Bigfoot research in weird areas, land between the lakes, which is in between Kentucky and uh, I heard you guys talking about that in another podcast mm -hmm. between Kentucky and Tennessee is one of the creepiest, weirdest places I've been. Now, you know, any people that have researched that or your listeners know about the whole dog man thing up there. And it's horrendous. It's horrific when you hear you know what went on with that. <laughs> but but I have done some Bigfoot research up there. It's creepy. There's hillbilly cemeteries all over that place. There's ghost activity galore. Uh, you know, and people, uh, groups that we'd send out every night to come back with weird ghost story types. So I don't know what's going on. I took random pictures in one cemetery and got pictures of orbs. And we had Bigfoots knocking around the cemetery when I did. You know, I don't know what's going on up there, but it's, it's like the door, the veil is thin there. And the door to get into the paranormal world. But once you get in there, all kinds of stuff's going on. You got Bigfoots, ghosts, orbs. I don't know what that, you know, it's just waiting for a tracker beam to come down from the sky and some UFO to take us away. So sometimes when you go, you open the door and go into the paranormal realm of things, you know, all kinds of weird stuff happens. Seth kind of uh, speculated different theories about how we could almost live in like a, like a box reality. And each one of those boxes that are stacking, making like a giant stack of like cubes, there's like a corner to it where there's multiple boxes all touching. Those could theoretically be the thin spots. And the reason why we have weird phenomenon that doesn't, it seems like it's connected, but not directly connected is because it could be coming from multiple different realities that are all able to kind of converge through this one point. Yeah, you know, who knows? I mean, if people are, as this gets more and more, you hear the multiverse concept, a lot of people talking as for, as opposed to universe, you hear a lot of that now, you know, I, I don't know until we can uh, lay, lay these things down, paralleling them and know what's going on. I, you know, I, I know some weird stuff goes on around Bigfoots, but also goes on around other paranormal phenomena. So one of the things that happens with Bigfoots and Hans, you've been around this too, is, um, 
phones get zapped of energy, recorders go dead, batteries go dead, electronics don't work. Um, I can't explain that. That happens around ghosts and it happens around Bigfoots. You know, are they taking the energy and using it? I don't know. How do you do that? I don't know. I can't do it. You know, but that does happen. We've experienced that as researchers. We take electronics out, full charged, take them out of the backpack in the woods at midnight to use and they're dead. You know, I, you know it goes on all the stinking time. Weird stuff happens. As researchers will go, here we go. You know, so I, I can't explain that. I haven't got a physical reality to pin that to and know what it is happens all the time with these things so yeah and that's common to the ghost phenomenon i mean if you guys yeah. did some ghosts that happens all the time so i don't know i was listening to derek you know to, or daryl sims talk the other day about ufos and ufo encounters and the weird stuff that goes on people losing time okay that, that thing goes on with the ufo thing all the time you know i have been around bigfoot researchers that's happened to me. I was around a group of some military guys in North Georgia a few years ago that were just tearing their hair out for two days because they lost 20 minutes one night while we were bigfooting. We went back and bushwhacked that track through that woods the next night, back and forth, and the darn Bigfoot showed up and actually were making sound. They were making noises like they're banging on. You ever throw a rock against a stop sign? You know what that sounds <laughs> yes. like? They were doing that. They were doing that on the trail ahead of us. Now, I can't explain how you can do that in the woods. You don't have a stop sign, but they were doing that, okay? I heard it. That. But beyond that, I, we couldn't account for their lost time. We had a, actually had a Class A sighting doing that that night, too. The group in the vehicle ahead of us had one jump across the road in front of their vehicle. We spanned it out, and it was 26 feet. It jumped from one side to the other. And we had claw marks in the tree that it grabbed. It went from a high to a lower position, spun around the tree like a barber pole. And they saw it. Two guys saw it. But what I'm saying is weird stuff happens around these. You know, I can, I can, I can say, you know, two guys saw a Bigfoot jump across the road in front of their vehicle, spin around a tree and go down and left a claw mark in the tree. Physical evidence. They saw, I can't account for the time loss that went on and why that happened, but that's weird paranormal stuff that did happen. Okay. In the same place. So who knows? Well, you were talking about the uh, the missing time and the electronic malfunctions, which, like you said, is a hallmark of all sorts of high strangeness. Um, just in my research, it seems like I've also run across, you know, this kind of sulfurous odor is very common in these kind of uh, situations. Have you ever encountered anything like that? And then um, also kind of piggybacking off of that, the idea of like the Oz effect when, you know, everything becomes deathly quiet you know in the forest no animal sounds anything like that before a bigfoot encounter so have you all um, ever experienced either one of those well yeah so hans you know as far as this have you have you noticed that smell the whole the bad smell thing when you've been out in the woods you run into that the bigfoot smell thing <laughs> um i have no sense of smell uh, it's, not, it's not because of COVID. I've had uh, five different uh, nasal surgeries. So um, I, I, I cannot smell. So no, I have not. And I'm, I, I'm not going to make one up. The uh, temporary. Oh, there he goes. Lost Rick there for a second. Are. Yeah, <laughs> just on my screen, my screen changed. I don't know what um, it did. The, the one thing, though, that you mentioned before about the electrical and stuff that what I have experienced with Rick, uh, we were in the field one night and Rick was sending text messages and he had the volume set on his keyboard. 
So when he was typing, it was, <laughs> it was going tick, 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 tick as, you, as you send a text. So he was doing that, then he stopped. And then we were listening and that was mimicked back to us. Oh wow! How, the, how that was happening? Because and it was it was faint. It wasn't like it was Rick and he was sitting right next to us. It was faint, but it was the same sound. Now, that's one of those things. It's like you can't explain it. Now are you yeah. gonna say, "Oh, that was Squatch." I mean, yeah. what was it? I don't know. Weird. We were hearing it. We were hearing it in the woods. You know, while yeah. we were doing like it was mimicking us like a, a metallic clicking or clicking noise like you'd make on your phone. So, you know, they were doing that. You know, back to that first, it, that major encounter that we had in that wildlife refuge, Hans, at night, before we got to the bridge and we were walking around those retention ponds, there was a woman with us that walked ahead and then she went down this big boy trail. And I went down into that big boy trail, I think with Eric, we stepped off the trail, went down in there. There was a smell in there that almost knocked us over. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-hmm. And we backed up and came out of there. So I, I have run into the nasty smell with the Bigfoot thing before, but that happened that night. I, I almost think they can deploy that chain, sort of like you're talking about an orb. You know, if they want to deflect people and turn people out, get them out of there, they could do that. But to Hans's point on the the noise thing, they, they're great mimics. And they can make, they could, if they want to, and I think that was playful. Like I was making, sending a text and then they did it back kind of thing. You know, I think that was playful. How do you do that? We don't, we can't do that. I can't make that noise. Do you make that noise? You know, I, it seems like they can make any noise they want to at, on command. You do hear a lot of the car door slamming in the woods. <laughs> There's that, that is a, you do hear that from, you know, from someone who, you know, had never heard that they can do that or something is doing that out in the woods. It's like, yeah, I mean, you're in the middle of nowhere. It's like, yeah, I heard a car door slam. Okay. If, you know, if that's Squatch, how are they producing that? You know, it's, it's very strange. Well, and that's another thing you said, the car door, you said the baby crying, you said something else. That's another thing that, also translates and goes into other like paranormal stuff and other cryptids and stuff. And I just think that's super interesting. Yeah, John Keel, you know, the idea that the car door slamming and the baby crying are like two sounds that are always seem to be associated with, with the Mothman. Yeah, with Mothman and also really? all sorts of other high mm-hmm. strangeness. So the fact that you specifically said those two things, yeah, I think that's super cool. And I think it lends a lot of credence to this idea that you know, all this stuff could be connected in ways we don't understand. And I think the idea that these other cryptids or entities, whatever they might be, they might also have this mimicking ability. So I never thought about it as far as, you know, these ghosts, quote unquote, or the Mothman type entities could be mimicking until you just said that. But I think that's, that's that's a really cool way of looking at it, I think. I mean, just to expand on that, too, I mean, if everybody kind of bounces into the theories about these things possibly using, like, frequencies in order to do things, come into reality, um, it almost kind of makes you wonder if they're able to also contort sounds using that same ability, and the reason why they're able to manipulate sounds so easy is because they already have this ability to 
mess with frequencies to get into other dimensions theoretically or even go into time slips or like thin the veil like i almost feel like mimicking sounds is absolutely nothing compared to being able to produce frequencies in order to produce like infrasound and to be able to again theoretically like open up the veil <laughs> yeah you know I, so i've had people say i know what that sound is you know i was with a group in colorado and a guy said i know that sound we were hearing a sound he goes that's a wood pallet hitting the floor and scraping on the floor and there was coming out of the woods. And I'm like, how do you know that? Because I hear it every week at my job. I'm like, well, why the hell are we hearing that out here in the woods? Now? <laughs> he goes, well, they must know that that's a sound I hear. I go, well, how the heck do they know? You know so you, you just get in these loops and you can't figure it out. I've heard some of the weirdest sounds at these things. Tons point, the car door thing goes on. I was with a group in eastern Tennessee a, few, a couple of years ago on an expedition. We were deployed with miles between us. And in our debrief, like Han said, we always debrief next day, best practice. We got off the whiteboard and we're debriefing. Each of the groups reported hearing car doors slam and even car alarms. And there are, I mean, there are no vehicles. We're in the middle of nowhere. We got, we're on logging trails and we're miles apart from each other. Now, how is that, how does that happen? You know, and we were, we were comparing the timestamps that they weren't matching up. So this was going on all around. And is it a way to deflect or get rid of us? You know, how does this happen? You know, I, I have no answer for it. I mean, even expanding on it too, if <clears throat> Sasquatch theoretically, even if it, it's not intentional, if it has the ability to accidentally like walk through time slips or to intentionally walk through time slips, maybe a lot of these sounds that are associated with them is because there's a thinning and you're actually hearing not sounds that they're producing, but sounds that are uh, from the other side of the veil or are stuck in like a loop of something that maybe happened previous that day or something that's going to happen later on that day. And if there's already that thin spot that they're coming through, then you're also hearing the sounds that are coming through on the other side too. Yeah. And I think it's fascinating. You said, you know, you guys spoke about Mothman and what went on there. You know, um, I've done a bunch of research recently about, Cherokee legends, Native American legends, cryptids in the Appalachians and uh, Blue Ridge Mountains. And because I, I, I live in this part of the world, I got to do a presentation of it. But I was amazed at how many of the things are like Bigfoot. You know, you, you get a lot of, so, you know, a lot of things that the Cherokees talk about, um, a lot, you know, so, uh, I'll pronounce this wrong, but uh, Tasul Kalu, uh, you know, is a Sasquatch type of being. You know, they talk about, Raven Mocker, they talk about is very, that sounds to me like Mothman a lot. I mean, it, it's very similar in how they describe it. And then some of the noises and things you hear out there, well, they talk about demon dogs and these things called Grimms and everything. Those are dogmen type of entities in today's. So the words change to describe these things, but what they're doing over time, you know, it's a lot of the same stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. it's crazy to me. I, I can't, you know, I can't figure this out. I was with a group in South Carolina in December. And for over an hour, we heard screaming and wailing up in the mountains. And these are all woodsmen. We all know what bobcats sound like and lions. This is uninterrupted with like almost like a dogish howl in the front and then a, a like a woman's scream in the back end. We picked this up on three different locations on a mountain going on for well over an hour. And I'm doing research on this stuff. And I come up with, the, you know, the Banshee reference in uh, Cherokee mythology and Cherokee legend. And they talk about and describe these sounds as exactly the same thing. You know, I'm not here to say I heard a banshee here, but you know, I just can't figure it out. I mean, the dark, when the stuff resonates or lines up, I just, it, you know, it freaks me out. I can't make, I, it's nuts. Well, uh, Rick, I think we were chatting a little bit about this on Saturday, but, um, you know, 
we've talked about this on the show before, the idea that all these things that people are describing throughout history, they're all talking about the same thing. One person's, um, you know, fairy is an, one person's alien is one person's angel or demon. And I think, you know, with Mothman or, you know, definitely with like Dogman and werewolves and things of that nature, it all boils down to issues of language and what people choose to call these things. And I think people get too caught up in the idea of language and kind of miss the forest for the trees, no pun intended. And we're all talking about the same thing here. You know, just like you said, these ancient Native American legends are talking about Dogman, which, you know, here in the paranormal community has just blown up here in the past year or so. Right. I mean, it's kind of, there's nothing new under the sun as far as I'm concerned. It's just what we choose to call these things. People like to categorize things. That's the problem. Then once you categorize things, people have an issue pulling it back out of that category. So, you know, you'll have all of these different cryptids that are listed. And once you start actually stepping back and looking at it, you realize that these 10 cryptids are the same exact thing. Like even just connecting even with the, uh, the Raven mocker and the, um, the Mothman, there's also even the Blackbird of Chernobyl, just another one that fits into that uh, right. s- same exact backstory with everything, too. And it was seen a couple days before the disaster happened in Chernobyl. Right. Right. And they're seeing down in Brazil, they're seeing a Mothman type uh, harbinger of doom kind of thing down there that's been showing up around O'Hare. A lot of pilots have been seeing it in Chicago area. Hans, you know, there's a lot of Dogman discussion in Wisconsin, Michigan, up in that part of the world. You know, people, there's a lot of sightings. I don't know what the geography has to do with it, but you know, there is a lot of dogman discussion up in that part of the world all the time. So, say dogman's a hard one too, because I feel like there's multiple angles to come at it. I mean, it could be the same with Sasquatch too, that there's, at least for me, for dogman, I think there's the possibility of there being like the actual natural flesh and blood dogman that are something that have naturally figured out how to live here. Uh, Two, I think that there could also be the component of government gene splicing that I talk about frequently on the show, where if we were already cloning sheeps back in the 90s, you know, if you took some human DNA, mix it with some kind of dog DNA, and you almost fill in the gaps in the DNA with whatever else, kind of like how they would say, kind of do it in Jurassic Park too, um, you could potentially make a creature. And then the other aspect that comes into it, depending on how woo you get, is the possibility of people transforming into them, where even, you know, in Europe, you have the werewolf lore. In uh, America, you have like the Shawnee Dogman Warrior, for example. And, you know, they would go into the woods and they would become one with the with the dogs. And then supposedly they'd be able to transform into dogs from it. So <laughs> just a matter of uh, going back on it. <laughs> and it sounds a lot like... Uh the lore of the Wendigo, you know, with the Native American lore of the Wendigo. Right. There's, go ahead. I was going to say, any, any dogman stories you hear generally are a lot more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if, you know, when you compare, you know, all the dogman stories to uh, squash stories, it, experiences witness experiences they always seem to be a lot more aggressive mm-hmm. yeah i um i've interviewed two witnesses that saw a dogman both credible one was a hunter the other was a fisherman fisherman encountered it going trout fishing and it was there standing next to a creek eating and it looked at him and he said it looked like it looked right through him scared him to death and he just hightailed it out of there 
the hunter saw it. He was hunting. He was scanning with his rifle and he was scanning and he picked up this thing standing in the woods and he said it was far away. He saw it through a scope, but he said it turned and looked at me. He said, you know, I saw it clearly through the scope, he described it, the muzzle, long nose and everything. He said it looked at me like it was ready to kill me. So it's never good around the dogman thing. It's never, you know, it's, it's always evil. It's always demonic and they always get out of there. But there's, you know, this research I was doing on Cherokee legends, there's a lot of reference to dog type creatures, demon dogs, these things called grims. I mean, there is a lot of, in, in Native American lore, a lot of dog related cryptids. Say there were a, it was kind of a mixed one too, that they were held to high regard, but at the same time, they like feared them. So, I mean, when it comes to things like that, it makes you wonder too if you, they, you essentially demonize something over time. Like they had good potential to them. And because of the fact that you didn't interact with them properly, like it seems like a lot of things come to when you're dealing with like the Fae, for example, where it's a matter of like not respecting their land, not respecting their territory or something like that, for example. Um, and it's just a matter of we've demonized them through time. And because of that, now they just have this natural instinct to know to go after a human because if they don't, the human's going to go after them first. Or they also know now that back in the day, the Cherokee may respect their territory and leave their territory alone, where now they feel like they have to be more aggressive towards their territory because they don't have that same boundary that they did with like the ancient people, for example, if they are like right. a flesh and blood animal, that is. Or at least even right. like an intelligent flesh and blood animal too, where they would be able to kind of make like a some kind of a truce or some kind of agreement to, this is my area, this is your area. Yeah, um, Linda Godfrey. We're talking about her, her book. She talked about. I had a, I spoke with her at a, an event, and she was saying that the Bigfoots and the Dogmen, you know, war with each other, and then have geographic boundaries between them. You know, I don't know. How do you know that? But you know, it does align with what you're saying. You know, I, I know. I just don't ever want to have an encounter with one of those. Things. No, <laughs> yeah. No, I've also no, kind of entertained the theory too that they could potentially be more the same than different. You know, like, uh, like just dif like. They could both be from the same DNA line. Uh, we could be looking at it like they're two totally separate creatures, but rather than doing it that way, we could look at it more like Sasquatch to like Skunk Ape, where they're in the same family. They're just a different variation, and they react differently according to that, where, again, possibly uh, it goes to they've had bad human interactions in the past, so they've just developed to be a little bit more aggressive, where another group of them has kind of adapted to know to stay away from people, so they're... Uh, evolution has kind of pushed towards them being more stealthy where like the dog man, as we're calling it, or possibly again, another variation of Sasquatch, they've relied more on their strength through time to be able to keep away the predators. And it's just a matter that they came from the same place, but they kind of diverged as they evolved and kind of fell into sure. like, their, their spots in nature. I like, I like that theory. Um, it, it almost like, okay, think of uh, dog, dog breeds how different dog breeds are. You have a Doberman compared to a poodle. Um, you know, maybe the you know, dog man is just a more aggressive, uh, you know, same species, but just a more aggressive, you know, and their tendencies have just, you know, it's in their DNA. I mean, even them being more territorial, too, could be kind of where we threw the name Dogmen on. It may not just be from visuals, but some of the visuals may have kind of adapted also with the behavior, of course, where maybe originally you were calling them Dogmen, not because of 
again, they, they may have looked the same as like Sasquatch at one point, but maybe like the differentiation came where they started calling them dogmen came from them being a more territorial species of Sasquatch rather than them being rather like dog-like. But because of people having that idea of a dog in their head now, when they see them, they're instantly going to look for dog features now. Sure. Sure. Yeah, and there's different, you know, people report a lot of different variations on Bigfoot too. So, you know, why not? I mean, there's different types of humans, you know, we're human beings, but we look different uh, in stature, shape, size, color, whatever. You know, the skunk ape is smaller, more orangutan in description down in Florida. Uh, there's Bigfoots that cast the prints and been witnessed in East Tennessee or East Texas that have three toes. You hear about that a lot. Um, they're taller in the central part of the country. Eight foot is common, you know, up in the Midwest. Alaska, they're 10, 12 foot type things. You know, it's crazy. I don't know what the limit is on size and shape of these things. Uh, I think Nick Redfern wrote a book. He had different descriptions, different types of Bigfoot. I was talking to Ron Moorhead the other night, not to name drop, but he said to me, he, cast, <laughs> he, had, he had casts. I don't know if you heard this discussion. At that of uh, 27 inch footprints of Bigfoots. Okay. The biggest I've seen, I've seen a couple. I know of one in Northern Kentucky, they call Goliath, and that's a 25 inch cast. And I know of another cast that I've, and I've seen these. I have a copy of Goliath, but I, I saw one up in uh, Hudson Falls in New York that was 25 inches. He said he had, he had casts that are over 27 inches long. Now that thing, it, in size, I haven't. I still haven't extrapolated. It's got to be fifteen feet, feet tall. I mean, my God, you know, he's he's dead serious talking to me about this Saturday. You know, like what? I mean, it's hard to fathom. It kind of makes you wonder too if they possibly interact like deer, for example, where the only ones that you're really seeing that are staying out in the front in the open are the young and the females, and then the males are staying farther back in the woods because they know they're bigger, they know that they're the protector, and they only come out if something serious is happening. So it makes again we'll wonder if most people are seeing maybe juveniles and they're thinking that the full height is only a juvenile height, but all these monster giant Goliath ones are staying farther back and know to stay away from people unless they absolutely need to. Because once they show themselves, like <laughs> they, they already know there's going to be hunters coming back into the woods once they see a 15 foot Sasquatch and everybody's going to be coming <laughs> with any type of weapons they have. <laughs> it's a good theory. I don't know. It could be, you know, Hans and I talked about seeing what we thought was the juveniles in front of the adults. And I, I would say that the height of the adults, Hans, those were female probably, you know, and then, you know, behind that, but cause they were probably a seven feet kind of thing, but, I saw the one, you know, I've had a few class A's. The one I saw in the western part of Virginia in the mountains years ago, and uh, two other people saw it with me too. It was black and it came down a ravine, a tree hop from one side to the other. Um, I still, I, I couldn't sleep tonight. I got up next morning. I could not believe anything that big could move that fast. It was black as the ace of spades, and it was easy nine foot. And, you know, I, I don't know, you know, 800 pounds, who knows? But how could anything that big be in the woods and we not know about it? And, you know, it wasn't that far away. It came down towards us and then cut across in front of us. I mean, you know, scared us all to death. But, yeah, it was massive. I mean, I saw the muscles, the arms activate as it ran. You know, I still could see that thing. And it was so, you, you know, that had to be nine feet. We're talking 12, 14, 15 foot tall. I mean, my, that's, that's taller than a basketball 
I mean, it almost makes you wonder too if when they start getting that big, if they potentially change a little bit as far as like their hair color and stuff goes, and they could potentially blend in with trees more. And uh, maybe you do happen to see big Sasquatch off in the distance, but you're mistaking them as trees because they uh, develop more of a camouflage. Because rather than trying to hide more close <laughs> to the ground like the younger Sasquatch do, they know that their best place to hide is amongst the trees at that point. I mean, they could even potentially start growing like algae and stuff on the top of their head or any other, like, uh, not mold, but moss, intentionally, again, trying to look like trees from a distance. Tree squatch. Tree squatch. Um, we can, we yeah, can, we can illustrate that. We'll work that one up. <laughs> you just got to have him holding some sticks in front of his face. <laughs> well, all right. So you want to get weird about it, you know, and this, you guys should, you know, Bizarre Encounters, you should be open-minded to any type of description. I'm, people are witnesses talking about it. The green man... All right, the green man in the UK, when you look up the green man and what they describe there is what you're talking about, which is a, a man of the forest, which he's got everything you were talking about, uh, you know, a ghillie suit kind of look to him. Mm-hmm. He's got, uh, you know, ferns and tree and moss and everything all over him. And people in the UK have been reporting that forever. I mean, they could even be disguising themselves as pine trees, too. I mean, I feel like that would be the absolute easiest. And, I mean, as they get older, their hair could get longer, and they could, again, just look like a giant pine tree off in the distance. Right. <laughs> Stump squash. <laughs> yeah, well, I think uh, skunk apes, if I'm not mistaken, are often reported as having longer hair than, right. you know, a lot of the Sasquatch reports. So Almost looks like know, the Spanish just, moss. Yeah, so yeah. maybe just th- these environmental factors have more of a difference in these Sasquatch creatures than, you know, we would naturally think. And, you know, kind of to your point, Shane, maybe a lot of these creatures that we're seeing are just, you know, divergent uh, from the same, you know, general uh, family, whatever. And, you know, it's just small differences that we're seeing. And, you know, that would explain a lot of these, dogmen or the skunk apes and again we're all talking about the same thing here at the end of the day you would think if they would adapt to their environment like like a polar bear right i mean they're white for a reason you know southern squash i mean they're, they're darker for a reason because they're in a swamp you know cypress environment um right and yeah, i mean no, I, I, it's got some, and color-wise, there are different colors. I would say that, you know, the older they are, sure, they turn gray and white. You know, I've had witnesses report gray ones, white ones. Mm-hmm. They typically act goofy, you know, like they're, yeah. you know, a click-off kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but, but they do. But behaviorally, when I ask the witness to describe, they'll say that. But certainly gray, white, black, brown, auburn, brown. Um, you know, there are definitely colors out there, maybe like Hansa's or adaptations to environment, you know, who, who knows, um, as far as the hair goes, you know, there's a lot of witness. If you look, you know, some of the witness reports that have been sketched online, like police sketches, um, you know, Sibylla Irwin does a lot of those online, but a lot of times the face sort of like Neanderthal doesn't have any hair on it and there's hair around it. You know, that description comes through a lot. Um, there, I know of witness encounters witness reports in northern georgia of a muzzle type that has kind of a not like a full long nose like a dog man but 
a, you know, a stub nose or a, a muzzle type nose. I heard some folks at, at Encounter Quest talking to me about the ones, some of them in the Midwest have a more of a bulbous or round nose. And that has to do with the cold weather. You know, who knows? I mean, there's got to be lots of different adaptations and uh, different variations of species on this, just like anything else. And I mean, you bring in the intelligence factor too, and then it brings in the environment uh, at their disposal again, where they could use things as tools in order to disguise themselves, in order to camouflage themselves. Um, So that, again, it brings in like a whole other spectrum of what the possibilities of what they could be doing are too. (laughs) You know, one thing that uh, hasn't been brought up, you hear of, is cloaking ability. You know, we're talking about environments and, you know, they're adapting to their environments. You read a lot of stories or hear a lot of stories of cloaking. Now, I, you know, I've never, I've never encountered that in, in real life. So, I mean, there, there's a factor there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how do they do it? You know, there are people who report, I saw it, it was right there, that it wasn't there. You know, how is that? You know, that could be you know, somehow they're affecting your ability to see it, too. But they're physically still there. Who knows? But, you know, there that is reported. And if they have the ability to, you know, like the predator, predator in the movies, you know, turn, you know, now, now you see it, now you don't. And people report this. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it is an ability for them to deflect, move on, get away. It's uh, maybe it, maybe they use it when they're they're an apex predator. Maybe they use it when they're in predator mode. So, you know, who who knows? But that is a paranormal ability that a physical being such as Sasquatch does have. I mean, that could even fall into like the telepathic abilities too. Where you know, again, if they're able to project their consciousness theoretically to produce these orbs, on the other side of it too, they could even do something where maybe they're able to kind of mess with your consciousness or mess with uh, your perspective of things. And rather than them actually physically going invisible, they're messing with your mind to make it so that, that you can't see them. Like they'll, they'll be standing right in front of you, but they're visually blocking the view, your perspective of them in your head. Right. Cause I mean, the possibilities are em- em- infinite. If you bring in the telepathic mm-hmm. abilities. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, who knows? You know, uh, do you guys, let me ask you something real quick. Do you think they're of this earth? Are they indigenous? Uh, what do you think? <clears throat> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of tend to believe more in the woo-woo side of things when it comes to Bigfoot. I think that they are physical flesh and blood animals, Um but I kind of tend to think maybe they're not here in our reality all the time. And I think, you know, that could help explain away a lot of the issues that a lot of people have with Bigfoot as far as like food supplies and why has a skeleton never been found. And I think, you know, I have zero firsthand experience in the field like you gentlemen do, but, you know, I just think it makes a lot of sense in my head that, they are very real things that come through these window areas and they're just here for a brief second. And I think if you're willing to open your mind enough to accept that possibility, then a lot of the Bigfoot behavior becomes very easy to explain. And that's kind of where I land on it at this moment. And, you know, not to say that in five minutes, I'm not going to read something or see something that changes my mind. But right now, that's where I stand with it. 
And I absolutely think both. I think both. I think both. I think what you guys have seen is absolutely real. I feel like that's probably more flesh and blood. I think with sprinkled in some paranormal abilities as well. And I, I just, I think both. So, And I mean, for me, I come at it from two angles. I either one think that there's something that's in this reality, uh, maybe something that's, again, maybe dwindling down to their final numbers. But I think that they're an intelligent uh, humanoid thing, flesh and blood thing that exists in our reality. Or the other perspective that I come at it with is that I am a firm believer in time slips um, as far as like people walking through time slips, people having lost time. Um, I feel like the phenomenon could be the same for Sasquatch beings where if there are potentially like microscopic wormholes, which is a theory that I've been getting into recently on the show um, all over the place, people could potentially be walking through these things. Reality contorts and twists and then you don't even realize it. And then you walk through like a time, a time slip. Uh, the same could be going for these Sasquatch creatures where some of them are walking through time slips and then getting pulled back into their reality. Cause assumably like time, time would try to correct itself or timelines would try to correct itself. So that might be why there's three steps and then it goes back or they're potentially just walking from one side of the hole into the other side of the hole or the other side of it is that uh, they've walked through time slips and they never return. So because of that, now they exist in our reality because now they've started to repopulate in our reality. And it may have only been a couple numbers that started and potentially walked through these time slips, but now there's a, there's, they're solid in our reality. But I mean, if I had to guess, no matter what, um, my best one would be they're flesh and blood to some extent. Be it if they're from this reality or a different reality, I think that they are a physical thing. And I think they're hyper intelligent. And uh, I think that a lot of the woo woo aspect to them and the paranormal aspect is just uh, possibly misunderstood natural abilities um, that just like a lot of things when it comes to science, you look at something and it, it's magic back in the day, such as alchemy. And then once it has an understanding of it, then it becomes a science. Now you have chemistry. So same could theoretically go for these Sasquatch creatures where there's a lot of uh, creatures that exist in the planet that are only, there's only that one animal that has that ability. And we have a, we have a catalog now and now we don't look at it like it's some kind of magic ability because we know when we understand it, you know, I feel like it could be the same for these where they have abilities that nothing else has and we look at it like it's something paranormal or woo-woo. And mm -hmm. until we actually physically get one and are able to kind of figure out what's going on with it, I think it's more of a more of a material like science thing than some kind of like paranormal like special powers, so to speak. Okay. I will say currently, based on my personal experiences, I would say they're flesh and blood. But if I'm out there and I have that experience where I trip and uh, fall into a portal. <laughs> I, I, will, I will come back on your show and, <laughs> and my mind will be changed. Perfect. <laughs> I saw the Sasquatch world on the other side. They looked at me like I was Sasquatch. <laughs> you believe it. <laughs> there's a whole reality of Sasquatch on the other side and they have this whole phenomenon where it's humans and they have like silhouettes of people all over t-shirts. <laughs> yeah i know people and they're and they're stepping they're stepping they probably have a name for us it's probably not as complimentary as bigfoot either <laughs> little foot <laughs> i know little foot <laughs> to do with our brain or something yeah. but uh yeah, they step through onto this side and then they want to come back you know and they tell all these stories kind of like, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, there's no question they have physical characteristics in my mind. No question. 
But as I said earlier, I'm on record, I think they have paranormal abilities. But to your point, Shane, we may just not, they're paranormal now because we just don't know how they do it. We may know some someday when all of our propulsion is anti-gravity, we'll know. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, let's be, all right, so we don't, we don't know. I will say this, though, and I, you know, as we, this is a good way actually to wrap up. So there's lots of them. Okay, I've come to the conclusion after researching this thing for 13 years, and you know, I'll be out in the woods. Another, I was out in the woods for four hours today with a witness who's got him on his property. Has seen him. I mean, he, his wife, his daughter, his neighbors—they've seen him uh, routinely. I could t- I could go on about this, or it's a good story, and it's they've seen some weird stuff around them, like lights around them, and everything. It's weird. It's weird. But multiple people. I mean, they've seen on routinely. They're doing some of this guys. Well, we're amateur researchers. We're just running around in the woods, you know, on expeditions and, you know, stuff. We run into these things. You know, are we that good? You know, we buy a FLIR or something and go out in the woods and hang some glow sticks, you know, have a, put on a $39 recorder, a red headlamp on our heads, walk around. And you know what happens? We run into them. Okay. We cast footprints. We record them howling and whooping. We hear knocks. We knock. They knock back. Somebody in the group has sees one go across the trail in front of us. Okay, or they come into the campsite and help themselves to what they want. Stuff happens. We run into these things. They leave physical evidence. Are we that good? No, I just think there's lots of them. I think there are a lot of these things. And so I'll leave we're, we're going to come to your neck of the woods and uh, – Come see some. <laughs> I'd love to, love to have you on an expedition. We'd love to do that. that. I ran. Awesome. I ran. Um, I'm running one in a couple of weeks, co-running with a, uh, another researcher friend of mine. But uh, and that's all closed out. I may run one this fall, but uh, probably next spring for sure. But I, you know, you guys aren't that far away from me, so no, uh, no. Uh, definitely yeah. keep us posted. We yeah, yeah we'd love definitely that. be up for that. If uh, if we'd be welcome, we'd love to join you guys. Oh, it'd be great. Shit, I'd make yeah, the trip too. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to go up to Michigan and go on another one. I've been on a number of them up there. And uh, um, there will be some up in that neck of the woods, I'm sure, Hans. You know, the BFRO posts where the expeditions are. And they had, for ones I know, Wisconsin. And there may even be some in Michigan later this year. Take a look. But if you can get a chance to get out on one of them, you know, stay open-minded, get out in the woods, you never know. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, just go out on your own. Go camping, you know, and uh, look look at some maps, you know, like the Bigfoot Mapping Project, and look for sightings, and or just talk to Rick. He can tell you, like in uh, in, the, in the in the Carolinas, where's some yeah. recent activity, and go camp, uh, do some night walks, day walks, you know, see what happens. Yeah, I but know. It, um, yeah, we're just on that point. Uh, it's a good one. So, Uwari, which isn't too far from you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's, I, you know, I don't know. It, it's probably been squashed out. There's been a lot of people in there, but I know the show, Finding Bigfoot, was in there a couple of times. There's been a number of uh, expeditions in there, BFRO and East Coast Expedition Groups. And the, but uh, and they, they allow ATVs and horse trails everywhere in there. It's not that big and it's very active with people, but there have been a lot in that area over time. Um, so we might want to we might want to look at some other forest areas. I'm trying to find some good areas to do it. You know, again in the next year or so that aren't awesome. you know too too people polluted. You know, um, find them, but get into some places. But it, to Hans's point, go on to do some camp and build a fire out on a trail somewhere in the woods at night. 
you know, act like a hiker, not like a hunter, play harmonica or a flute, you know, hang some glow sticks, laugh, you know, and they come to you. These things are eternally curious. Yeah. When they see, they, they come around. Yeah. Just uh, the normal, the normal banter or the talk, you know, when we had that experience uh, in the UP out on that, the, the bridge, we were just hanging out, you know, the six of us just talking, you know, talking back and forth and they really came to us. Right. And, That's so cool. Right. And it's the, the curious nature is, is probably what brought, you know, we to, I think we had said at one point, we were like, we're, we're their entertainment. You know, right. we're, like, <laughs> we're like a, a movie mm-hmm. to them. They're like, what are these people? What are these things? What are they doing in this place after dusk? You know, so. So that's a, yeah, I was kind of wondering if they mimic sounds as a form of entertainment too, where, you know, it's not that they're yeah. trying to scare anybody. It's more so that again, they're just in the middle of the woods and they're doing it for sake of entertainment just to see how people react. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you you find a bunch of animals out in the woods and, you know, people make whistles or noises just to see if they'll react or do something. They do the same thing. They do sounds that are familiar and maybe they're just trying to prank people and just trying to have fun and just see how people react. <laughs> right. Well, I think there's, Shane, I think there's good ones and there's bad ones, just like good people. Um, and, you know, Hans and I could go out with more stories, but real quickly to, on that point, we were in uh, an area in Northeast Iowa a few years ago with another gentleman, three of us, and we had, you know, one of these things. They didn't, it did not want us in the area we were in and screamed, blood, screamed bloody murder at us. I mean, the guy that was with us is a little off the handle. Hans and I are a little more discreet. We've done this, but he's, he was doing some aggressive noises and one of these things was within 100 yards of us and a female we think screamed bloody murder at us have the distance tours did it again have the distance again i mean the third time this thing screamed at us and this was quick but it seemed like it was right on top of us you know we went back to the area next day cast footprints 13 and a half inch footprint and you know female we think but you know hans there but we we left that area scared and we had a half mile walk back to my vehicle and they headed us off at the pass by the time we got back to my vehicle tore a tree down up above us on top of a cliff above us scared to snot out of us that way too if they don't want you there they're going to run you out of an area is the point yeah you know and and, this, and and we didn't leave we ran right <laughs> <laughs> at, one point, at one point we were running yeah and had to had to change your pants when you got yeah, back. Well, yeah. And I was it was up above my vehicle too. I had a nice FJ cruiser that, and we were all three of us are gonna get in and go. And I, they were above on a cliff above that. And all I kept thinking is don't throw rocks down on my vehicle. <laughs> oh my don't, don't throw that tree you just tore down down on my vehicle. I mean, it was scary. I, I, but if they don't want want you there, or maybe they were just bad squatches, they weren't happy. I don't know. They'll run you out of an area too. So it's not a big fuzzy Yogi bear in the you know in the woods too. You, know, you got to. It's not you know. So have the Native Americans always say treat them with respect, treat them with respect. Okay, be careful. They're unpredictable. I mean, I was going to say the same just goes with uh you know just having different groups interact with different groups of people too. That you know one family could have had one bad experience, so now anytime they see see people, they run them off. But another one, they've had no bad experiences and they're just super curious. So I mean, again, it works that same way too. Right. Uh, you know, that someone, uh, some squatches might, you know, were, have all these gifts given to them. 
like at these gifting rocks, whatever. Right. And that's how they, that's how they react. Yeah. yeah. Nice squashes. Yeah. Nice ones. Yeah. You know, the witness I was at his property, he's got a huge gifting rock in the woods behind his house back in the, and they, he's interchanging with them all the time there, you know? Um, but you know, he's not full and full of processed sugar either. He's careful about it. He leaves apples and, they like pears. I could tell. I could go. Well, I could tell you everything they like and don't like. That's another show. But um, you know, he didn't have interaction with them. But you, I mean, you got to be careful with this thing too. We do not know everything about this thing. You cannot assume they're all the same. And you cannot assume that you know uh, any anything that you do behaviorally, provocatively is going to elicit the same response all the time. So you you just you got to be you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. So I guess with that, that's probably about a good spot to start wrapping it up for today. And uh, we'd definitely love to have you guys on the show again in the future because yes, it seems like yes, we could go for on sure. for hours and uh, we probably barely even scratched the surface on some of your guys' <laughs> research and experiences. But uh, for anybody that wants to come find you guys, why don't you let them know where they can come find you guys? Go ahead, Hans. Well, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, we, we do have an Etsy store. Um, and then we attend, uh, various festivals. I think, uh, we'll, we'll be in Florida April 22nd. Um, and then throughout the summer, Rick and April will be in Tennessee and in Virginia. Uh, Tennessee, Virginia. Uh, we just signed up. I think we're going to do Crypticon again in November in Kentucky. We're doing one in uh, South Carolina in September. As Han said, Florida's big. That's upcoming in a couple of weeks. It's a big one, and it's in Ocala. We'll be at that, too. So, um, you know, we do a lot of different conferences, and uh, Hans does a great job with our social media, keeping us up to date, and um, the Etsy store. He's always putting out and trying lots of new merch on that, so uh, it's a great place to go and get your one-of-a-kind original I Know Squatch merchandise. (laughs) And for anybody that wants to check that out, of course, I will uh, throw the link down in the description so you guys can go right to the Etsy store and check out their awesome merchandise. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we thank you guys for having us. It was nice to meet you. And Rick, it was nice talking with you again. And uh, please tell April we said hello. I will. Please do. So it was so nice to meet you both. And Hans, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you Uh, as well. Today, virtually, yeah. I'm glad you got through the dimension and got right. Yeah, <laughs> right. And then yeah, it no seems like all of us are planning on going down to CryptidCon, so hopefully, all of us will get to see each other oh, down yeah. in CryptidCon in November. Hans, you got to come to CryptidCon this year. Hey, hey, Rick, uh, what are your plans for the Mothman uh, so, festival? So I uh, reached, I've reached out to it a number of times now, and I don't know if. They're allowing new vendors, and I think they're kind of tied up with the ones I got. I haven't gotten a lot of great response back from them, so okay. that's where I am. I would like to do it if we could do it, but uh, I think it's uh, third week of September. I have to look at it again. I'll, I'll reach out again, but uh, last I heard, they they weren't adding more vendors when I talked to them, so I have to reach out again and see what I can do, see if I can do get they, to that. But. Do they know who we are? <laughs> uh, that's a good you know you got a good point don't worry that's, we'll put in a good word for you guys thanks but a lot do you, yeah, do you know who we are off, man yeah, <laughs> yeah, do, you, do you know who we are <laughs> yeah, tell. Deal. Yeah, Shane, Shane it's nice to meet you yeah definitely nice meeting you and I again can't wait to meet you guys hopefully at CryptidCon 
Yeah, well, we'll, we'll plan it out. You guys, and we, you guys all got up. Challenging all you guys to get out on a on an expedition, BFRO expedition. You need to be out in the woods. Like, can't see your hand in front of your face. Having these things scream and yell at you or knock right next to you. And then, and then you'll be scared. You need to go through a little. Well, I tell you what, Rick. As long as you're with us and uh, being our guide, I think uh, we're down for it. I don't know if we're going to run out in the woods by ourselves, but if we're with you. I yeah. think we're good. So. Hey, man, you come yeah, up to fun. Michigan. You point in a direction. Uh, <laughs> you'll catch me running off in the woods by myself. <laughs> and then you'll make the four hundred one one book, so we'll never see you again. <laughs> but at least I'll know what happens. Right. You'll, you'll know. <laughs> if you guys are enjoying the show don't forget to take an extra five seconds if you're on spotify to drop that five star review if you guys are on itunes and you want to take an extra five seconds beyond that maybe 10 seconds maybe 30 maybe a minute at the most drop us an awesome review and we'd love to get we give you guys a shout out on the show and uh that is an awesome way to help us grow the show it's an awesome way to get it into the uh, into the ears of other listeners and uh just to extend on that a little bit if there's a specific episode that you really enjoyed don't forget to share it with some of your closest friends and if any of our listeners out there want to contribute to the show whether that be suggesting a topic or a guest to come on the show or any researchers or artists out there want to contribute in any way please uh, reach out to us either through social media or through email, which is bizarreencounters at outlook.com or on the submission form on the link tree. Oh, and all the links that have been mentioned are listed in the link tree in the show description. I've been Shane. I've been Oren. And I forgot about the link tree again, Jenny. (laughs) And don't be afraid to, uh, you know, Keep it bizarre. 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 Bizarre.